Good morning. Welcome to Faith on Hill's online Sunday morning service. Whether you're listening to us on the audio version through Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whether you're watching the live stream on our website, faithonhill.com, or you're checking out the video on our Facebook page, we want to say hello. We are glad that you are here. We gather together as a group on Sunday mornings to sing the praises of God, to pray together, to live in active community together, and to study God's word together. Then we gather in small groups throughout the week, and we go over questions that are based off of this morning's Bible study. Uh, We pray with one another. We check in on one another. We have a real relational connection with one another. Those are our two primary gatherings, our main service and our small groups. Now, if you would like to be part of a small group, you'd like more information, you can email smallgroups at faithonhill.com. Also, uh, we are looking to possibly start a new small group. So if the current times uh, where we have small groups don't work for you, uh, it might be that we start a, a new one that would work at a better time for you. So you can also reach out to small groups at faithonhill.com uh, and check in and say, hey, I'd like to be part of a small group, but none of the current times work. Uh, this is when would work, and we could kind of get a feel for uh, what would be a good possibility for starting a new small group. If you have a Bible, open to chapter 6 in the Gospel of Matthew as we continue our study in Jesus' teachings at the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 1, Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. All right, so there is a tension that Jesus is bringing up. We have a public faith. I live my life out openly in the world as a follower of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but you might remember a couple of weeks ago when we studied the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. You might ask, wait a minute, a couple of weeks ago when we were studying this book, this gospel account of Jesus' life, Jesus said that we should let our good works, our good deeds, our light shine so that others could see and bring glory to God. And now here, Jesus is saying, be careful that you do not Practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Which is it? There are many, many places and parts within our faith that exist within a tension. Two things that are true that seem to be opposed to each other. It's sort of like if you take two magnets You have a north and a south, right? And they stick together. But, you know, when you spin the pole on one around and then you try to push them together and you just can't and you just think you're about to and then they'll push off away. That's a tension. Another way of thinking of a tension is a taunt rope. You know, you have a rope and it's just kind of hanging slack and it's no big deal. But if two equal forces are pulling on either end of the rope, the rope stretches and it stretches and it becomes taunt or tense. And that's, uh, you know, so it's got firmness to it. Public faith versus private works. This is a tension within our faith. God does indeed call us to live a life of good works. Let our light 
shine before others that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. That is very true. We are to live our faith in a public way. And at the same time, Jesus gives a warning. But notice what Jesus says in verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Jesus is digging at motive. Jesus is digging at motive. God has called us to good works, but they are for his glory, not our glory. God has called us to live a life of light that shines, but not to shine on us, but to bring others to him. We live publicly as Christians and work privately as agents of God. It's a tension that exists within our faith, and Jesus is going to give us three examples of how this plays out to help explain the concept. Verse 2, so when you give to the needy, ah, here's something that you could do, a good deed, a good work, letting your light shine. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing, so that you, your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So Jesus is giving a real-world example of this tension of public faith versus private deed. There are, I want to be careful. I don't like, you know, doing public call-outs or anything like that. But there are groups, churches, individuals who do a lot of giving away of stuff. And they let you know it. And they'll, they'll make a big deal. Hey, this Sunday, come to our church and we are going to be uh, doing this big giveaway. And, and sometimes it's like, you know, it's literally like, if you come to church this Sunday, we're going to raffle an iPad or something like that. And it's a, it's a blatant attempt to just get people to show up. But sometimes they're a little more subtle than that. And I'm not saying it's not a good thing what's happening, but they'll say, hey, we're going to, uh, you know, we are giving away $1,000 to 20 different families in need. No strings attached, right? And they make a big deal to let you know. This is what Jesus is talking about. That you can do something good, but if it's just to bring attention to yourself. Now, he says, don't do it with trumpets like the hypocrites do in the synagogues. What that tells me, and it might not literally be with a trumpet, but you know what? Human beings are such that it would not surprise me if it had literally happened at some point. That somebody came into the synagogue or the temple and they made a big show. Maybe it's that they have a big offering and they have uh, servants carrying massive bags. And it wouldn't have just been money, although it could have been. But maybe it was grain. Maybe uh, somebody was bringing in uh, many sheep or cattle or livestock and making a big show. You could have brought those in secret, but instead you've done it in a way so everyone will know and you'll look very, very good for it. Right? Right? 
Um, I admittedly enjoy a good uh, British drama on Masterpiece on OPB. And uh, right now, uh, Angie and I have been watching the show All Creatures Great and Small. And I love it because I used to live in Yorkshire. I lived in Yorkshire for about six months. Um, and it's set in Yorkshire. And so it, it reminds me of a place I lived. But it's also super chill. It's like it's a TV PG show. There's nothing sketchy in it. I don't have to worry. I don't have to read the IMD parental guide before every episode. Um, you know, I don't have to worry about any of it, and it's super low stakes. It's like, oh my goodness, is this cow going to need an operation? Like, it's a show about veter veterinarians in the countryside in the 30s. It's wonderful. I love that. But at the beginning of every episode of anything that's on Masterpiece on OPB, they'll tell you who gave so that that show could be on OPB. Look how great that person is. Look how great that, you know, that rich individual is that set up a charitable foundation. Jesus said, hey, you get your reward here and now. But if you want to do real religion, live in a way that you do these things, Jesus is saying, be generous, give to those in need, help people out, but do it in a way that doesn't bring glory to yourself, but rather brings glory to God who deserves it. I don't deserve glory. You don't deserve glory. But God does. And Jesus giving us these three examples of how this can work out in the real world. And the first he says is, you should give to people. You should give to those in need. But are you doing it in a way that only brings glory to yourself? The next example is prayer. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in their synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Last week, uh, we did five short studies uh, in Matthew chapter 5 because we thought that they were worth kind of their own examination, uh, but we wanted to stay on the main focus of Jesus' teaching about how you enter the kingdom of heaven. This week, we will release a short study on the Lord's Prayer because I think it's worth its own study, but I want to stay on the bigger picture topic that Jesus is getting at about this idea of uh, real faith and living out your life in a way that is not trying to bring glory to yourself. So check that out this week, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, wherever we publish our, our podcast content, uh, we'll have a short teaching on the Lord's Prayer. But this is the second example that Jesus gives. He says, first, giving. 
You should be generous. You should give. How do we give? You know, I've talked about this many times. What Angie and I do is we take the first 10% of what the Lord gives us in income, and we give it to the church, and then we look for opportunities to be generous beyond that, uh, whether it's supporting a, an organization, a ministry. Uh, we support a compassion child. There's all kinds of things that you can do. Then he talks about prayer. And you notice this is the second time he's mentioned the synagogue. Because I think what's going on is Jesus is giving them real-world examples, examples of things that they would have seen in their own lives. First, there's the person who makes a big show of how much they give. And Jesus says they're doing it in the synagogue, which is like our modern church. And you, you go and you see churches where, you know, there's plaques on the wall or certain rows are dedicated to somebody because of how much they gave. Then he talks about prayer. Because we're all finding ways to make ourselves feel better, look good to others, kind of cement our position. And maybe you can't give, but you can pray the most. And he says, don't pray like the hypocrites do in the synagogue. Again, public place, in a place of worship. Standing, repeating many words, babbling like the pagans do. On the street corners to be seen by others. So the idea that Jesus is giving, and I don't think he would have said this unless it was something they would have seen in their daily life, is that they would go into their synagogue and there'd be somebody who would try to like God talk. They'd try, you know, they'd try to really sound spiritual and they'd try to pray really holy. Have you ever met the person? My great-grandfather was like this. Bless him, good guy. But my great-grandfather, when he really wanted to pray, he'd get into the old, King, the old English, the old King James kind of, you know, Verily, Lord, we ask and beseech thee this morning that thine blessings may be on thou children and all this stuff. My grandfather was a native German speaker. He was born in Vienna, Austria. Uh, he, you know, there's no connection to old high English, right? He was not from that, that background. But he grew up, he immigrated to America as a young boy, grew up in a more traditional church. And so if you really wanted to pray spiritual, you started using Old King James English. I've also known people and have friends uh, who, you know, they grew up in a, not a traditional church setting, but a more Pentecostal church setting. So if you really want to like, if you're really praying spiritually, you got to crank up the, the attitude a little bit, or you, you, you know, you, you go, mm, and you, and you, you kind of emphasize everything. And there's a way that they get going, and you can just tell it's like, whoa. And it's not all bad, by the way. I was at the pastor's prayer meeting this morning, a local pastor's prayer meeting, and, and a great brother from a more Pentecostal church was praying, and um, we were praying for each other, and he started praying for me, and he was using some like, you know, I just pray your blessings and glory and all this stuff and really getting Pentecostal on me, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I said, Lord, just thank you for giving me the ability to understand where he's coming from, because I feel like, I was like, you know, everything he's saying is like good intentions. Uh, he's just getting kind of Pentecostally on it. But what Jesus is trying to get at is instead of praying in a way that you go, oh my goodness, you know, this is, this is how spiritual I can be. And I want everybody to know how spiritual I can be. And did you hear that? I prayed for world peace. And I'm going to signal and let you know that I really care about the things that matter. Jesus says, just go home. If you're going to be like that, just go home and pray. Is there anything wrong with public prayer? No. Again, this is a tension. There's nothing wrong with public prayer. Public prayer is really good. We also don't want people praying in public to try to make themselves look good. So here's this tension. 
on our Sunday morning service in person, we pray out loud together. In fact, uh, I've been meaning to do this, and I think I will. I'm going to post a video uh, on our socials uh, from my friend Chad, who's not a pastor. He's just an average guy, average, you know, life, uh, wife, two kids, the whole thing. And he's sharing about how he had to learn how to pray and how to pray publicly. And as a, as a man growing up where he did in Louisiana and how, you know, basically this was just something he didn't ever have to do. And so learning that aspect of his worship and relationship to God was incredibly important and helpful, and it was really a breakthrough for him. I've known people for whom praying, that humbling themselves to pray in public. When you think about it, what Jesus is talking about here is people who are praying in public because they are not humble, because they're trying to bring glory to themselves. I think in our day, in 2022 in America, that there are plenty of people, especially men, who humbling ourselves means humble ourselves to be vulnerable in a group and publicly pray out. So there's a tension that we're dealing with where Jesus is talking about, you know, hey, should you pray and pray with others? Yes. But if you're just doing it for your own glory, just go home. Prayer is about us talking to God, not God talking in front of other people. So prayer is, is a time where we gather and we focus on Jesus, and that is what everything is about. But these people were trying to bring glory to themselves by how many words they could say and how eloquently they could say and what big philosophical or theological words they could use. I'm going to quote the most obscure part of the Bible and use that as my basis of prayer just to show you how much I've read. So Jesus is saying, hey, if you're going to do that, just go home. Just go do it in private. Now let me say this. As much as I believe that public prayer is important and praying together is important, and I believe I have seen that many people who have had breakthroughs in their spiritual development and maturity by being confident to pray out loud in a small group or even in a church service, with all that being said, right, greater thing is to pray when no one's looking. The greater thing is to have a life full of prayer so that when, when we pray publicly, right, it isn't something that is foreign to our private life. I want to be somebody full of prayer when I'm driving alone in my car, when I'm laying down at bed in bed at night, when, when no one else is around. Am I somebody who is a man of prayer? And then he gives a third example. Verse 16. When you fast, he's assuming that you are and you will, but when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that you will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay, again, there's this tension. Jesus is encouraging people to do something, a spiritual act, a spiritual discipline. But then he's saying, do it, but then do it privately. Fasting we still use the word in terms of breakfast, break 
fast. The idea is I have fasted. I have not eaten since last night. And so breakfast is the first meal of the day. You break your fast from eating. And you, you do it quick if you're my kids. They eat their cereal fast. That was a bad dad joke, wasn't it? Oh, dear. Anyway, moving on. But what Jesus was saying was that in their day, there would be people who would go, oh, oh, I'm so weak. I haven't eaten anything all day. And, and hey, can you help? I can't. I couldn't even lift a hammer. I'm so famished. I haven't eaten anything for a day just to show you how spiritual I am. And they never say that, right? But that's what they're doing. So what Jesus is saying is you should do these things. You should give to the needy. You should pray. You should practice a discipline of denying yourself to focus on God. But Jesus is saying instead of letting everybody know and then you like, oh, well, good, you've got your reward. Everybody knows what you're doing. Jesus is saying, actually, like, look good, you know. Don't smell. I, I think the oil on your head is kind of like put on deodorant, you know, wa- take a shower. Like, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, can you help? Yes, I can. And inside you're starving, sure. But the idea is that I'm not bringing attention to myself. This thing that I'm doing is between me and God. Self-denial. Self-denial is a Christian discipline. It's a Christian practice. It's a Christian virtue. But it can be a dangerous self-righteousness trap, right? Maybe God has called you to not do a certain thing, maybe for a day, maybe for a season, maybe your whole life. But then the trap that we can fall into, the trap is to say, oh, I'm better than others because I am so disciplined in this thing. I'm better than that person because I am so disciplined in my self-denial and I want you to know it. And it doesn't even maybe start off intentioned that way, but the trap can ensnare us as our pride goes unchecked. And maybe you have all kinds of personal discipline that I won't eat every Tuesday at lunch, I skip lunch, or every Thursday at breakfast, I skip breakfast and I only then pray. And that's great. And you discipline your body or your mind. But if my ego isn't in check, my pride isn't in check, and then the next thing you know, you know, maybe it even starts accidentally. Oh, how's it going? Oh, it's good. Hey, it's Thursday morning. Can we have breakfast? No, I can't. You know, oh, why not? I'm fasting. Oh, really? Ooh. And then I kind of liked how that felt. And you let it slip again and again. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's what Jesus is getting at is this idea of, hey, you don't need to make a big deal about it. You don't need to tell anyone. You just need to do what God is calling you to do. Giving, to the gener- giving generously, giving to the needy, helping people, praying, self-denial, these are all Christian disciplines. They're all Christian virtues. And incidentally, they have all at different times been the emphasis of Christian worship in a, in a gathered service. You know, there have been different, there are all these elements, right? There's the element of communion, there's the element of prayer, there's the element of 
community. There's the element of the Word of God. There's the element of worship through song. And at different times and in different seasons and different places, one or two of those have kind of had preeminence among the other. And what we've tried to do in our services is sort of spread out. We give importance to prayer. We give importance to communion. We give importance to community. Uh, we give importance to the Word of God. We give importance to worship through, God, uh, worship through song. So all of these things are, are elements of what we do, um, but they're kind of spread out in a way to give kind of an equal footing to all of them. But in, in that day, those would have been primary things in their synagogue services, prayer and giving, and then these disciplines that they did in their Sabbath and in their feasts and things like that. Jesus is telling them, hey, do those things. Those things are fine. But if you're doing those things to make yourself look better, if you're doing those things to prop yourself up, if you're doing those things to build a false sense of assurance, they will fail you. One of the really underappreciated aspects of the Christian faith is the separation of salvation and reward. What do I mean by that? I'm not saying this across the board 100%. As much as I have studied and examined world religions, I can't say that I've examined in depth every single faith that has ever existed. I'm speaking in general terms across the board. Most, if not all, faiths have this idea of reward. How you get there, what's required, looks different from one place to another, but they all have this idea of reward. There's a God, a creator, or multiple gods, or whatever, and this divine force, and they like the good people, and they don't like the bad people. And so if you do these things to be a good person, then they will reward you in the hereafter. And if you do things to be a bad person, you will not receive that reward. And that's what you're, you're gunning for, right? The Christian faith is different. The Christian faith doesn't say that there's good people and bad people. It says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person, me, you, my grandma, God rest her soul, like every single person, have fallen short of the glory of God. And the message of Jesus is one of salvation from the coming justice that this entire world deserves. All of us deserve the judgment or the justice of God against our sinful actions, deeds, and thoughts. All of us. So Christianity does not emphasize reward. It emphasizes Jesus because he is our salvation. And can I say this? Jesus is enough. If all of the reward that we got was just Jesus for all eternity, it would be enough. The grace of God through Christ is sufficient for us. Now that is a statement of faith. I, I don't know if you would agree with me on that. I don't know if you would believe what I just said. But I believe it to be fully true and accurate. That if through the rest of all eternity, all I had was Jesus, it would be enough. I said it's a statement of faith because there's a part of me that says, yeah, but what about this and what about that? And I have to choose in faith to believe that, but I believe that it is true. Christianity separates salvation from reward. Reward is talked about in the Scripture. The kingdom of heaven, the unsearchable riches of Christ, 
there is blessing to following God here in this life. We've talked about that. We talked about that uh, two weeks ago, especially uh, when we talked about the Beatitudes, which means supreme blessing, living in the supreme blessings of God. So you can go back and check out that teaching if you missed it. And there is blessing spoken of in the kingdom of heaven after this life. Do we fully understand what all of those things mean? What's a, what's a literal thing? What's a picture or a metaphor? No. But we understand that there is blessing and reward for those who follow Jesus. But I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus, and that is enough. God gives us even more. But the goal is not this heavenly treasure, whatever that is, and it's not going to be jewels and money. Those things pass away. The goal is Jesus. And so what Jesus is getting at is, yes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That is true. If whatever I am doing is good, it's because Jesus has changed my life and taken away my sinful ways and he has put me on his good and true path. And if I'm walking in Jesus' ways and somebody sees it, I hope and pray that it points them to Jesus so that they could experience the same forgiveness and peace that I have experienced and I continue to experience. But if I am walking down the Christian religious path and showing people, look, all these good things that I do so that everybody thinks that I'm spiritual or holy or a good guy or whatever it is that I think I get out of this whole thing, then I've gotten my reward here on earth and there is nothing for me beyond this life. Jesus is enough. We have real faith, real faith in Jesus then that will cause us to live a life that shines the light and the love of God. And the real reward is Jesus. And we can live for religious rewards here on this earth, and it will fail and it will pass away. I'd rather find the true prize, Jesus himself. I want to invite you to dwell on these things, to think on these things. We're going to enter a time of prayer. And this is a good moment for all of us to examine and say, Jesus, are you the reason I do anything? Am I doing something in public so that I can look good for others? Or am I just doing something and if somebody sees whatever, but I'm doing it because it's what God wants. Let's go to prayer together. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And Lord, we remember that Jesus was without sin, that you, God, our Father in heaven, have never done wrong. Your greatness is beyond our understanding. Your power is beyond our comprehension. And we do pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven in Oak Grove, as it is in heaven in Gladstone, as it is in heaven in Milwaukee, as it is in heaven. In our lives as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, we pray that your kingdom would come. Help us to be submitted to your will and to be ambassadors of your kingdom. Give us this day our daily bread. And Lord, we do pray 
for provision for those who have need, comfort for those who have trial, healing for those who have sickness. Lord, you know what we need today. Help us to trust you to supply all of our needs because you care for us as a loving Father. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, help that to be true. I pray in my life it would be true that I have forgiven those who have wronged me. And I pray, Lord, you would forgive all of my sins because I need you so deeply. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, we do ask that you would help us by your Spirit to walk in your victory that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit of God to resist the temptations of pride, the temptations of religiosity, the temptations of fooling ourselves or fooling others, that we could walk in your love and your grace and your humility. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you in the small groups this week, and we'll see you next Sunday as we continue to study the Gospel of Matthew together.